interesting topics to kick off your weekend. Looking at the news with an eye of faith. This is Friendly Fire with Stu Kearns on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. Good Saturday morning. It's a Friendly Fire Saturday. Stu Kearns, your host. Glad to have you along. we got uh, a full slate of local programming this morning, so make sure you stay tuned into that. And uh, hey, if you go to the game this afternoon, you might see me. It's the last Husker home game, 2 o'clock at Michigan State. Love to end the season on a high note. Uh, whether you do or don't, they're, they're, they're my team and I love to, love to watch them and uh, appreciate, uh, a lot of, uh, injuries and, and tough breaks this year, but you can, uh, you can bet that they're going to come uh, back stronger next year. And, uh, the defending big Tim champs, they're, they're going to get back there. They're, they're, uh, they're a good bunch, good coaches. And, uh, I'm already excited for next year. Uh, the, uh, by the way, uh, and if you can't go to the game, uh, you just listen to the voice of Lincoln and you'll get, uh, you'll get all the good Huskers are going to be here on uh, 1499, three, uh, KLIN. I'm uh, pleased to have in studio with me today, uh, Steve Thompson. He's the pastor at, I want to get this right. It's Grace Community Church, isn't it? Grace Community Evangelical. Okay. Grace Community Evangelical Church, which is on 6843 South street. All right. So 68th and South. roughly. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. On the South side of the street. Yep, south side of the street. If anybody's jogged on Holmes Lake Dam, if you uh-huh. keep jogging across the dam, uh-huh. across, I'm trying to think, I think that's uh, Van Dorn. Yeah, yeah. That that dam actually continues and it mm-hmm. goes right up to the to the parking lot where we're at. Oh. So we see a lot of joggers coming oh. through there and people walking their dogs. Yeah, I did. Now it's funny now that you mentioned that. That makes sense. That's perfectly where that would line up. But uh, yeah, interesting. Um, well, what we're going to talk about today, uh, I learned about a ministry that Steve has been uh, initiating and is trying to g- gain some traction with, and we're going to talk about that. Um, and in fact, it's uh, uh, just as a teaser here, again, it's a ministry, uh, uh, a kind of a Christian-based ministry that's similar to something like Al-Anon. Yeah, something, absolutely. Something yeah. like that. And so we'll get to that in just a minute. But first, uh, I just want you to get to know my guests a little bit. I get to know them a little bit better. Uh, Steve, where are you from originally? Well, I grew up in Blair, Nebraska. Okay. Um, back home, when we... Home Woodhouse. Uh... Well, yeah, it was small <laughs> at that time. Yeah. Um, it was kind of the bedroom community. Uh, uh-huh. More, it's kind of like a suburb now when uh, I go yeah. back. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. grew, there, grew up there, lived there my, I guess, childhood, you would say. Uh-huh. Graduated, came down to the University of Nebraska at Lincoln. Mm-hmm. Uh, I... Was pretty typical all American kid. Did not really have much of a spiritual uh, connection with anything when I came down. Mm. And I went down because in the eighties, that's what you do is you go to college. Not that you know what you're doing. That's what yeah. I did. Yeah. So um, enjoyed. I was involved in a fraternity on campus down here mm-hmm. at Lincoln. Um, to my detriment, probably. <laughs> um, I, I didn't realize I was supposed to study a lot, so that was some of my problem. Uh-huh. Played on the University of uh, Nebraska's rug, rugby team at that time, and so it was a club team. Uh-huh. Enjoyed it. Got to know several people who actually have. One of them is a deacon in, in your church. I think we talked about yeah, a little bit. Dwight. Dwight Bender. Yep. He's a good man. Um, but I came to be confronted with the gospel. And I think some of that was God's working in my life at the age of 21. In actually a funeral home, I got to meet a man 
it was since gone and uh, went to be with the Lord. I think it was. I think it's maybe coming up on five years. A mm-hmm. uh, guy by the name of Dean Hatfield uh, preached the gospel to me, and I kept uh, I w- listening, going to Bible study. Uh, it was I, actually across the street here. Roper and Sons Funeral Home was when I first met him, mm. and uh, so he would share with my friend and I. We'd do a Bible study, and I kept thinking, okay. What do I need to do? What is what is there more to this gospel thing? And uh, when he kept emphasizing grace and it's all of faith in Jesus Christ, everything that he's mm-hmm. done, mm-hmm. Uh, at some point in time, God really changed my heart. And he had been working, obviously, mm-hmm. and uh, came to faith at the age of 21 in, in Jesus Christ. And mm-hmm. at that time, I, my goal was then just finish school. <laughs> Get yeah. a job. Yep. No, no aspirations for ministry. Mm-hmm. And uh, in fact... My wife and I got married. There was no inkling we would go into ministry, mm. Mm. much to her surprise, I think. Uh-huh. So, but I met my wife, by the way, not here in Nebraska. If you were ever to meet her, you would know she's got an accent. She's from the Houston area. Ah. So, as any good Midwestern kid would do that couldn't find a job, graduating business, I moved down. My sister moved down to Houston, and that's where I moved down and got plugged into a good Bible church down there, and... uh we kind of met through mutual friends, mm-hmm. and uh, it's funny when I was I pastored for three and a half years at a Southern Baptist church. Mm-hmm. It's the only time I'd ever been Southern Baptist, if you can believe it. Um, I had to tell them, yeah, on our first date we went uh, two stepping. <laughs> <laughs> How'd that go? In oh, I think <laughs> I, I we did one dance, and then the whole time we just talked. That was it. I got yeah. my dance in, and yeah. It is. It's quite an experience down there. So. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny. The uh, if any kind of dancing is, uh, uh, you know, kind of like everybody says, well, yeah, that's okay. That's pretty cool. It's like line dancing. Yeah. That kind of a thing is that. Uh, uh, and uh, and again, I'm, uh, I'm not much of a dancer, but I I appreciate good dancing when I see it. So so you you meet your wife down in in Houston. Yep. And then how did she feel about you know coming up to the the heartland here? Well, ironically, uh, it was her idea when we had been married just about 11 months to go to work at Boys Town up in Omaha. Mm. And I had felt like, yeah, we wanted to be involved in ministry. I mean, that was one of the things out of becoming a new believer and then getting discipled with the Navigators was the idea of, uh, there's Ephesians talks about equipping the saints. So everyone's Mm -hmm. got a gift. How do you serve it for the Lord? Mm Mm-hmm. And so we kind of had that idea. We moved up to Boys Town, and that was, you know, after being married a year, it, we were not prepared for that. It's It was quite an ordeal. Mm. Um, kids are not orphans that were up there, even back in the 90s when we were up. Um, but God used it because he opened the door for youth ministry. But it was her idea to come up, but probably not a good way to break into Nebraska in the cold weather <laughs> when you're at Boys Town and you rarely get to go out. So. Mm-hmm. The second time around, we went back to Texas. The second time around coming up, she um, wanted to be more around her family, and so God had to work on her heart to prepare. I feel like that's why the time from finishing seminary to the first church we went to in Kansas, God had to be at work in both our hearts and mm-hmm. where to go. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, so, and you mentioned the seminary was uh, down, is it down in Dallas? Dallas Theological Seminary. Oh. Mm-hmm. So, um you may know this, or maybe you don't. Actually, I don't think it was. You guys are PCA, is that correct? Uh-huh. Yeah. I think uh, 
one of one of the founders, if not two of them, had come from the Presbyterian tradition. It might have been, I don't know if they called it Presbyterian U.S. or USA at that time. Uh-huh. Yeah. Of course, they were dispensational, which it seems to be a hot topic. I, mm-hmm. to me, it's neither here nor there. I've even though I was part of a Bible church, I would say that really wasn't that big of a deal to me. It's yeah. where do you stand with the Bible? Where do you stand with uh, justification? How that is? How are you saved? Yeah. How do you get yeah. right with God? And mm-hmm. then, um, then how do you grow out of that? Yeah, yeah. Now you're uh, like many of us again. Uh, I, you, you grew up going to church, right? I grew up going going to yeah. church, a mainline church, and, uh, and and many of us get kind of inoculated by that. Yeah, the, it was. Uh, but to to be quite honest with you, I remember in junior high. I look back. I've done. Mm-hmm. There's a tool that I've used in seminary, and have since actually used with people in the church. Mm-hmm. It's called a life story, um, and maybe you're familiar with forms of it. Mm-hmm. But it's going back and seeing. Okay, what was God doing even in the the period of time where I didn't know Jesus? Yeah. What what? How was He at work? Mm-hmm. Uh, and part of it is to give you this picture of, you know, God is still at work today. Yeah. I mean, I think that's what, at the very end of Romans, when it talks about this picture of um, the controversial word predestined or election, mm-hmm. I always tell people, I said, you know, here's the thing. The context of that is in the midst of Christians that they're described as being like sheep being led to the slaughter. So why would you talk about that with believers who are already... Mm-hmm. Uh, are facing this is to remind them, you know, this is what's happened. And, you know, even in those seventh grade years with me, I I had questions. And uh, I remember at one point in time, it's funny, I had, I went through confirmation class, had a cross I put on the wall. Somehow there was significance to it. Mm-hmm. Didn't know what. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. And I, you know, I was, unlike probably a lot today, I knew Jesus died on the cross. Mm-hmm. Had no idea what that had to do with me. Mm-hmm. Um, so you could say, well, on one point that's sad, but on um, the other point, that's even if I heard a good explanation, was I ready to want it for myself? Yeah, yeah. We're going to take our first break. Uh, when we come back, um, we want to dig into this new uh, this new ministry that you've been involved in, and uh, and I and I think again, I uh, I just want the listeners to hear about it as well because I think this is this is something that that a lot of us are interested in. Uh, there's a it's a ministry related to uh, families and addiction and how do we cope with that and you may say well there's all kinds of things out there and i said well i would say yes there are options but uh but this is yet another uh christian option and and uh and something that uh that, that might fill a gap in a way that that uh that some people a gap maybe people don't even know they have or they don't know they need uh but um, we're going to come back and sound good. We'll take a little break and we'll yep. come back and talk about that. All right. It's a Saturday morning. You're listening to the voice of Lincoln. This is friendly fire on uh, 1499 KLIN. Keeping the topics lively and the conversation civil. This is friendly fire with Stu Kurtz on the voice of Lincoln. 1499 KLIN. We are back. It's a friendly fire Saturday. Talking with Steve Thompson here from uh, grace, uh, community evangelical church. And um, uh, when I first contacted you, I'd been told by another uh, pastor friend of mine, Tom Rempel, that you were doing a, a new ministry. And uh, give us the name of the ministry and then start describing uh, how God started drawing you into this. Well, the name of the ministry is Finding Hope. And, uh, you know, being a pastor and everything else, it may seem like it's a Grace Church thing. It really isn't. Um, 
and I kind of go into detail in a bit. Let me kind of go into mm-hmm. back up and talk about how I would even be interested in being part of this ministry. Yeah. Something we really wouldn't have really wanted, but it started with having a family member that struggled with uh, drug addiction. And and this is this is kind of the case of, um, this was back in 2019, um, and the, the focus kind of was to get that family member better. And I remember devouring books, Christian books, um, non-Christian authors. I wanted to understand addiction, but really for the purpose of helping my family member get help. Mm-hmm. Um, he finally went into rehab in the summer of 2020. Um, and the stress and everything that had been unbearable all of a sudden disappeared for a little bit, we thought. Um, we thought our problems were solved. Little did we know. Um, there's more to it, in fact, typically with addiction. Um I've heard numbers out there that sometimes before, if somebody does really finally get sober, recover, it could take up to 10 rehab stints Mm. before someone gets recovered. Um, There's typically relapse. um, And so we, you know, we had done our homework up to that point to find the perfect rehab we thought, which there's no perfect one. Mm. Uh, Well, then we're up in this yo-yo up and down cycle. You know, relapse in the cycle of addiction, and then, oh, it's better. So at some point in time, um, and that would have been uh, in January 2021, we realized we had a problem. My wife actually, more intuitive. Um, I think women sometimes can be a little more intuitive to what's going on, and guys sometimes press on through it, ignore it. Um, But, you know, you're dealing with the emotional pain. It's internal, but it's stress. It's depression. It's anxiety. Um, and it can consume you and consume the whole family, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, some of the ways you sometimes deal with it, I, I know people use the word codependency, which has a lot of bank baggage. Ironically, that term came out of AA. Mm. Um, and it was a way to describe someone's behavior that had been observed. And basically, if I were to define codependency the way I would understand it, it's someone who has let another person's behavior affect him or her and who is obsessed with controlling that person's behavior. Mm. Um, never works, and it's not good for <laughs> the person you're trying to control and vice versa for you. Yeah. And it's it, there's destructive behaviors as well when you're trying to cope with that much stress and everything else. Mm-hmm. By the way, it's one of the – as you just push the pause button for a minute here – I've, I've, uh, it's nothing new with me, but I've, I've started using a lot more, uh, the phrase, the illusion of control, uh, because we, we, uh, I, I'm of the opinion that at, at our core, most of us are control freaks. You know, we would love to control every circumstance of our life. And yet we're okay. And as, and of all people as Christians, we, sh- we should know, right. That, well, God's the only one who's truly in control. And yet we have this illusion of control. Like if I do certain things, I can actually, I can, yeah, I can kind of tweak and twist and make the outcomes be what I want them to be. And um, and so coming to, to understand, even at this late stage of my life, that that's an illusion. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, there are actually very few things <laughs> that, that, I, that I really fully control, and most of them are related only to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm not God. I'm not the Holy Spirit. Oh, yeah. And I, and I, and I, and I, I got to stop playing that role. So that's a, I, 
I'm with you there a thousand percent. That's right. And I think it's one of the reasons I think that you begin to realize that it's not working. And so what do you do? Instead of stopping, Yeah. you try harder. Yes. Yeah. Um, so when we, I will say, um, when we decided we need to do something for ourselves, the first thing was we kind of needed to do some counseling for the two of us in marriage because of the stressors of it, um, finding unhealthy ways to try to deal with this um, so that we would get on the same page. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then secondly, um, we tried a group, it's similar to Al-Anon, it's Naranon, very similar. And the helpful part about that was we were able to connect with some people. Um, we would learn some encouraging principles to begin to apply in coping, to to take away and, and really realizing that we had to focus on ourselves, not on our loved one who struggled with addiction. Mm. And that was so hard because that's what we wanted to do. Instead mm-hmm. of saying, we are being affected by this. They refer to uh, alcoholism or drug addiction as a family disease. And it's a disease in the sense of this, that one person can be struggling with it, but everyone in that family Mm-hmm. It could be a spouse, it could be a child, even an adult child oftentimes, could also be a, a sibling. Mm-hmm. Um, all of these we've experienced in these groups. Mm-hmm. And so you you, have, you realize that their behavior has an effect on, on everyone in that family because you're seeing this. And when you see someone's life unravel, basically... Um, and then especially if you talk about drug addiction, which is probably more common than nowadays, mm. the addictions, um, the reality is now with fentanyl, it's very possible that even just experimenting, it's not the lifelong addiction that could take them. It could be one experiment just with marijuana and it's laced with fentanyl and they overdose, they die. Yeah. There another pause button just for a minute here because yeah. that word fentanyl has been used a lot. And I think the average person, probably the average listener, it's like, okay, I know it's some kind of drug and I know it can be very dangerous, but they don't really understand, okay, why uh and it just in the briefest sense, what what exactly is fentanyl? How does it get into this? Is it powder? And 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 and, and apart from that, I guess is that um uh, why how has this become such a problem? Because we know that, that I mean, a lot of people are dying, right, from, well, from uh, the stuff laced with fentanyl. Ironically, my my, my daughter graduated uh, Saturday from mm. journalism. She actually put a podcast out um, as her senior project about overdose and talking about it. Mm-hmm. It's on whatever their website, NebraskaNewsService.net, did a series of podcasts. It was really good. But, um, you know, it the, the it exists as kind of that um, painkiller. Mm. In fact, I remember talking to someone about it. He said, like, when somebody, like, falls down mm-hmm. several stories and breaks legs, and then imagine the pain you'd be in. Mm-hmm. They give them fentanyl, and they feel so good. Mm. It is a high-powered painkiller, okay. and you have to be careful on how you administer it. Well, what they'll take is basically what happens. A drug dealer wants people to buy from their stash. Mm-hmm. They'll lace it with this fentanyl to produce an even greater high mm. to where they get repeat customers. Mm. One pill, I'm trying to think, one pill 
because if you look at the minute, okay, so if you think of a pencil head, that much of fentanyl would kill someone. Mm. Wow. And so they're uh, taking the fentanyl and, and... And they're putting it in the drugs, and so it doesn't matter what you're having. I mean, that's that's the thing mm. is it's a new, it's like Russian roulette. Gotcha, gotcha. It's not like, oh, well, this could be make you an addict, which, by the way, that is a problem. Mm-hmm. But it could kill you. First time ever, just experimenting. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, I, and I think it's this is the reality of the culture we live in if we're going to be aware and minister to people is these are things you have to be aware of that let's be honest until we had to we deal with it within our own family i don't didn't know much about addiction yeah yeah and so i you know the, I, I would say one thing about kind of going back to Narnon, it was Narnon was really good but eventually after five months both my wife and i said you know there's one component that's missing because this is a group that's trying to appeal to everybody mm-hmm. but it's all under the guise of higher power Mm-hmm. And here's the problem. <laughs> knowing Jesus Christ and knowing that's the anchor for my whole life, um, that has to fit within my life and, and even within me dealing with all of this. Mm-hmm. And when you pull that out, there's a problem. Yeah. Let's hold that thought. Yeah. We're going to take our second break, and then we're going to come back to, uh, again, I think there are a lot of groups out there. I've gone to some of them. They... They have a lot of good components to them, uh, certainly absolutely well-meaning. But when you when you remove God, when you remove Christ, uh, again, for the Christian, that uh, that creates a certain kind of problem. Uh, maybe it's not an impossible problem for a lot of people, but I, I found the same thing in my experience. Uh, we'll take a little break. We're going to come right back uh, talking with Steve Thompson here from uh, Grace uh, Community Evangelical Church. And uh, we're going to talk about this solution that uh, he's bumped into that now he uh, wants people to know about here when it comes to families and dealing with addiction. You are listening to Friendly Fire on the Voice of Lincoln, 14993 KLIN. Interesting topics to kick off your weekend. Looking at the news with an eye of faith. Friendly Fire with Stu Kearns, 14993 KLIN. Welcome back. It's a Friendly Fire Saturday talking with uh, Pastor Steve Thompson here from uh, Grace uh, Community Evangelical Church. I'm just going to say Grace Church. Sure. Is it one of the, That's how we answer the phone. Grace Church <laughs> at 68th and South uh, that now I know is connected to the Holmes Lake Dam. Pardon my bad language. Yeah. Um, that was a pastor joke. Sorry about that. Um, so you're going to groups. They're well-meaning. A lot of them have, you know, again, some great principles and so forth. But but they're they're not faith based, mm-hmm. and they're they're kind of you know higher power based. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that didn't really work well for me. It didn't work work well for you. So where where did that lead you? Well, so let me let me tell you why I was thinking about this, and um, I, I think you're familiar with Francis Schaefer. Yeah, he's like the he's like a big dog in my circle. All right. So yeah. one of his pupils, Nancy Piercy, wrote a book called a really good book called Love Thy Body. Mm. I don't know if you're familiar with it. No, but she's an awesome writer. She's one uh, of your she, elders has has read it, I believe, uh-huh, uh, John. Uh-huh. Um, but she gets at, I think Schaefer does the same thing. This kind of the two story view worldview of a person. Mm. Um, if I get articulated this way, and I'm going to quote, I had kind of brought this little quote from her book. She mentions the problem about the modern worldview is creating a dualism between the material which is the body and the immaterial or the soul and the spirit. 
And the reality of the spiritual realm is important to defend today because the academic world is dominated by the philosophy of materialism, the claim that nothing exists beyond the material world. Yet Christianity holds that body and soul together form a unity and that the human being is an embodied soul. So here's the thing is, if, if you really want real healing for a family, it's not just the body, and it's not just psychological emotions that you're trying to deal with. It's the whole person, which we're made in the image of God. <laughs> we're sinners. That's our problem. Jesus came to die on the cross. We lived the perfect life, died on the cross, was raised from the dead. And if we would place our trust in what he has done alone, we would be forgiven of our sins, reconciled back to God, have a relationship, and now have a way to live. Mm-hmm. And and so then when it comes to healing, where's that part in my dealing with this? And and that's why we were looking for this, because it's like, we're going to really heal. We need that part of this. And so um, this group called Finding Hope, we found out about it through an We've been praying, wanting to start something, and uh, found out about a group that already existed and if I were just to give you a quick history of it, actually, it started out of a sober living, group of sober living homes called Hope is Alive. Uh, and it was started by someone who was an addict who was the son of a pastor. His name is Lance Lang. And uh, he struggled with addiction. And the, the cool thing about his homes is that he includes spiritual discipleship as part of the curriculum to include all of it. I mean, there's different aspects of financial responsibility, putting your life back together. Mm-hmm. Discipleship is there. And then a, a the group Finding Hope came along, uh, first meeting in 2015 at Putnam City Baptist Church in Oklahoma City because they said, well, what about something for the family members because they're struggling? Mm-hmm. And uh, so what that ended up helping. And, and so there's a lot of similarities in one sense, between finding hope and Al-Anon, because you'll find people that understand what addiction is like, they've lived it. Mm-hmm. Um, they've struggled with it, made the same mistakes. Um, you show up, people don't judge you, because that's part of the problem is you talk with someone. And, and I think the, the number one thing I run into is, for people who don't get addiction, is they're going to give you some, well, why don't you just reason with them what this is doing to their life? Yeah. Boy, I had never thought of that. Yeah, Thanks for yeah. bringing that up. <laughs> he said with great sarcasm. <laughs> and uh, you know, I it's it is interesting. I uh, I talk about uh, dealing with some anxiety issues, and uh, and I try to be as transparent as I can because I think that we, we got to talk about these things before we that we can heal them. And and but that Christians can be the worst. You know, they're like, well, you just need to learn to trust Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's like he said. You know, Paul said, be anxious for nothing. You know, and and like. Oh boy, never occurred to me, you know, that it's, uh, oh wow, okay, that fixed it. You know, it's like they're, uh, so so sometimes for, especially for Christians, there's this disconnect or even kind of a, like a subtle judgment or shame Mm -hmm. that, well, boy, if I'm living the victorious Christian life, I shouldn't be suffering in this way. And I I just want to know, where's the verse in the Bible that says, (laughs) if you trust Jesus, all your troubles will go away. Is that, what verse is that? Is is that uh, first doubting Thomas uh, 111 or something? (laughs) I, I no, it's and I think that's the the reality is within the within Christian circles and in um I mean I, I I do think the value of theological education I think it gets underemphasized today. Yes. Yeah. And I think we have pastors that are in pulpits that really 
I mean, the church was designed to have theologians. That's what your pastor is supposed to be, mm-hmm. to be able to go to the hard questions. Um, so I think that's important, and, and we lack that. But also there's a part, there's wisdom that comes along. However, mm-hmm. you get into something like this, and with your own, in your own family, and mm-hmm. you're like, this is new. Mm-hmm. And you start talking to, like, Tom Rimple and, and some of the yeah. others, and mm-hmm. I'm like, so what, what do you mention to a family? Well, where do they go? Mm-hmm. And maybe if they're educated, they might mention Al-Anon. Well, the thing that's different, obviously, about uh, Finding Hope is that, well, the theme verse, Romans fifteen thirteen. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing, so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So it's it's understanding we have to have a source of hope mm-hmm. because what we're asking in essence for a situation we cannot control is a God who is sovereign over the entire universe. Mm-hmm. And if you have to make up your own God, and, and I went to an Al-Anon meeting, not this Narnon meeting that I'd been to, but a different meeting at the beginning of all this, and someone went around and told me or told us their higher power was their cat. And I tried to think, well, it's a God that you have to feed and take care of it, or it will die. How can that be a source of hope? Yeah. I mean, in all seriousness, I just thought, you know, I understand wanting to appeal to people, but um, obviously I got into ministry. You got into ministry because mm-hmm. you, you believe Jesus is real and he, he does real things. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and so somehow this has to apply. And that doesn't make it easier. It doesn't mm-hmm. fix problems, so to speak. However... There, there is hope, and uh, so, you know, maybe so just a little tiny snippet of how that might work. So mm-hmm. if we talk about one of the things that comes up with dealing with a family member with addiction is anger. You get it. Yeah. You get it. Why are you angry? Well, you can be angry at the, the loved one that's struggling with the addiction, um, and then you, well, typically you take it up if it's a married couple and they're not the ones that are the addict. You may take it out on your spouse because sometimes they get the brunt of it. Um, And sometimes it goes onto your kids. Um, And it, you know, anger comes out in subtle ways. It's not just violent anger. It could be passive aggressive, critical. um, Mm -hmm. And so how does bringing Jesus into that? I mean, there are certain principles I can learn about controlling anger. Mm -hmm. But what does Galatians 5 say? You're familiar with Galatians 5. What's Mm -hmm. it talk about? Is that the fruit of the Spirit? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, yeah. self-control. And I don't see anger in the fruit right, of the Spirit. Right, right. Yeah. So so what does that tell us that takes us back to, okay, mm-hmm. so it's developing that relationship to help you begin to produce that. And yeah. if anger does come out, okay, um, go to God. I mean, maybe the person you're angry at, you know, you may need to ask for forgiveness because you've blown up at them. The other thing I think, too, along that when you discuss this topic of anger is um, if you're bringing God into how to deal with this, because it's real, is trying to look at things from God's point of view. And so like Philippians 1, 9, and 10, uh, Paul prays, and this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment. So that real knowledge and all discernment is getting the, the viewpoint of God so that you may approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ. And so these are tools that God has given us to from Scripture, but we don't want to offend if we're in these other groups. Mm-hmm. I mean, I get what they're trying to do. So if they're able to reach people that don't know Jesus, um, 
that that's a good start. But of course, you know, I mean, do yeah. I want people to know Jesus? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not, and I, you know, I'm not. I, I probably ir- have irritated people in those groups because I will not just say higher power. I'll mention Jesus. Yeah. Um, but you know, let let's be honest. I mean, if he's real, then he's he's real for my problems, not just to get me a ticket. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. We're gonna take one last break, yep. and when we come back, I will do a little shameless plug, and then we'll. Uh, uh, there's just a lot of loose ends because this yeah. is a big topic, but we'll get as far as we can. It's a friendly fire Saturday here uh, on the voice of Lincoln, 1499, three KLIM. Bringing you local voices to break down the news of the week. Friendly fire with Stu Kurds on the voice of Lincoln, 1499, three KLIM. Rolling right along on a Saturday morning. It's a friendly fire Saturday. Uh, talking today with uh, Pastor Steve Thompson here from Grace uh, Community Evangelical Church. And, Pastor Steve, it is the time of the program where we always do a shameless plug. So we've been talking about this ministry and talking about uh, yeah. Grace Church. Uh, but let, let's plug away. Tell us uh, how we how we get involved and, and, uh, okay. and a little bit more about that. So the first thing I should say about Finding Hope, and this, maybe I should talk step back and talk about my church uh, mm-hmm. that I get to pastor. Mm-hmm. Um the thing about Grace Community Evangelical Church, which I appreciate, is that it is not focused on just Sunday morning field of pews. And so when, when I approached our leaders, our elders, about doing this, um, knowing that this wouldn't necessarily be something to just, quote, grow the church, but to minister, they were on board. It was not an issue or a problem mm-hmm. to do that. That's kind of what the church has been about, is how can we do ministry? And we'll, we trust God will bless the church in in impact it in in ways that are important. And so when I talk about finding hope, it's not a recruitment tool to Grace Church. Uh, Now, if you didn't have a church, I'd invite you. But if you're at a church, I'm not trying to recruit someone away from their church. Mm -hmm. Um, But Finding Hope meets at uh, Grace Community Evangelical Church from 630 to 8, the first and third Monday of every month. Okay, first and third Monday uh, 6.30 to 8. 6.30 to 8. And if you have any questions, you can just call the church, ask for uh, me, for, for Steve Thompson, and uh, we will get back with you and make sure you have any questions answered. Um, there is a Facebook page um, called Finding Hope as well under Lincoln, Nebraska. You can look there. And, of course, our church meets Sunday mornings. Uh Worship service is at 10.30 and Sunday school at 9.15. All right. And um, and plenty of parking. Yeah. You've got, uh, you got, got a lot out in the back, I believe, oh, yeah. as I recall. And um, the so Finding Hope, Facebook, and uh, so forth. Um, if, if somebody would come... What would be what's a what's kind of a the expectation? Yeah, well, yeah, kind of a format and what are the well, so uh, really, if you were to go to Al-Anon, if I were to summarize it, you would you would have someone read the material for whatever that topic is, and then everyone goes around, and it's not really interactive. That would be after the meeting, mm-hmm. um, and everyone would just kind of share their thoughts, and that's kind of how that meeting would run. What we do is we have a period of time. We'll pray. Because we are I faith-based, I, I'd rather say Christian-based. but mm-hmm. um, Yeah, we pray to open up the meeting because we invite God to be part of that meeting. And then what we do is we, we just kind of take the first uh, 20 to 25 minutes, 
kind of to decompress and kind of how are you doing on a scale of one to ten? Maybe it has nothing to do with what's going on with the addict family member, um, but it's a chance just to kind of be real and share. And then for the next hour, we'll have a topic usually that we cover, and it's to kind of really be informative to help equip you then for those principles. And usually within the the conversation, like I shared a tiny little bit about anger, um, there'll be kind of a a time to interact even with that material and and ask questions and even uh, share some examples or how that works in someone's life. Mm -hmm. And, uh, And sometimes we'll also bring a speaker who might be in sober living, so we can better understand the disease or what is going through. Mm-hmm. So it's really to be informational, mm-hmm. uh, to equip you, as well as to allow you to kind of just work through and talk through it, kind of a structured format. But usually uh, but the thing I like, too, is it's an opportunity to pray as we um, will share prayer requests as well. So something may come up, and, and you know I can ask these people to pray, and they understand what's going on, whereas if I ask the church member, which I'm not a— Supposed to do, mm-hmm. but that might take twenty minutes to explain this. Yeah, because they don't understand. Yeah, there there is something about the power of people who understand your world, and uh, whether it's a we have a again a, a very small uh, anxiety support group, not a therapy group. I don't do therapy. I'm not <laughs> trained for that. But but just a support group for people who have experiences. And you go around the circle and you realize, man, oh man, okay, it's 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 every case has its own flavor, but. There are a lot of similarities and a lot of things that people go through. And and to just be in a room for an hour and a half filled with people who you don't know how to explain things to, that in and of itself is pretty powerful, isn't it? I think it is because I, I think part of it is they understand what those experiences are. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not a touchy-feely. I, I'm, I'm at the opposite. My wife grew up. They hugged each other. We didn't do that. <laughs> so I had to learn to do that. I had to, It was some of those early, like, you're not expressing love to me. And I'm like, oh, I didn't know I wasn't. Well, yeah. she's kind of used to that. So we had to learn. But when I say to express those things, use our language that what we're going through, mm-hmm. um, you need to do that. And and unfortunately, in some of these other groups, I think um, Al-Anon and what have you, especially when the couples are involved, like they're going through it with their loved one, um, you don't see the husband, but here you do. Mm. Um, I think we have had a pretty good history of, since we've started in January, um, of, you know, don't, you don't have to have your spouse with you. Mm-hmm. Um, but they felt pretty comfortable coming, which is good. Yeah. You know, uh, we just got about, uh, three minutes left. One of the, uh, one of the things that I think was revolutionary to me and I, uh, we have a, we had a, a family member again with an addiction when I was much younger and, uh, and as that began, uh, I was invited to be a part of the process, you know, and okay, mm-hmm. this is the eighties and I'm kind of like, well, I, my, I'll be blunt. My first reaction was, it's not my thing. Mm-hmm. You know, why am I going to go to learn? And, and, and when, when it's not my thing and, and I realized now that that was very selfish of me and that who knows how things might've been different if I would have just said, you know, maybe this is partly my thing. I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to learn. I want to, I want to be a part of this. And, uh, and again, they're, we're all part of a, of a, of a community. We're part mm-hmm. of a family. We're part of these systems, maybe in our church or our home. And, uh, and we are, I mean, this is what we teach, right? That we are connected to one another. Oh, yeah. But why is it hard to kind of break through that and kind of just say, well, well, really, that's, 
that's their issue. How do how do you get past that? Well, probably I think at some point in time you realize when you are coping, you don't realize that you're coping some way. Um, when you, I think it's humility. Mm. I think when God humbles you enough to see, no, I'm not handling this right. Mm. I think we as guys um, have greater tendency to push through things and not recognize what we're going through and our, I say our emotions yeah. um, because we just push through it because that was modeled for me in one sense. Uh, I love my dad and we grew close before he went to be with the Lord. But uh, my early years, I wouldn't have, he just kind of did his thing and didn't share emotions and those things. Yeah. And so we just don't sometimes grow up thinking that, yeah. realizing yeah. we're hurting a lot more than we realize. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, there, well, there aren't any do-overs, <laughs> but, uh, uh, but I, I just appreciate the opportunity to talk about this today because I think it is, it's very significant. It's a gr- very beautiful opportunity for people to have a safe space Mm-hmm. And to uh, and to share with others who have that uh, that faith in Christ, uh, the the hope of not only the gospel but the hope of just being surrounded by people who mm-hmm. who understand, uh, and that does bring hope. Yeah. Thank you, Steve, so much for being here today, uh, Pastor uh, Steve Thompson here from uh, Grace Community Evangelical Church. <laughs> uh, thanks thank, for being here. Thank you very much. You bet. I leave you saying as I always do to think about it and talk about it, and we'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.